Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. On today's show, Marley Speaker, the founder of Project Hannah. Now, this show goes back to 2014 when I ran into Marley at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. The ministry now known as TWR Women of Hope launched back in 1997 on the island of Guam. That's where I first met Marley and her husband, Edmund. Our family and the speakers quickly became fast friends. TWR Women of Hope engages the plight of women worldwide, advocates for the needs of women, and has prayer intercessors in 125 countries. Let's hear the backstory of this incredible ministry now with Marley. I happen to run into a old friend. Now, she's not old, but we have a long-lasting relationship that goes back. You're good. Marley Speaker is with us right now. Now, that name might not mean much to you at this moment, but as we share this conversation, I hope you'll get to know this dear lady, Marley Speaker. Now, back in the mid to late 1990s, my family and I, some of you already know, were missionaries with Transworld Radio living on the island of Guam. It was during that time that we met Marley and Edmund Speaker. The speakers were the Asia-Pacific Regional Directors based out of Singapore, but on occasion they would travel to Guam and share the vision, the heartbeat of Transworld Radio. And that's how we got to be friends. And we've had Marley into our home. My wife and Marley are friends. Mm -hmm. But it's been a number of years. But we got reacquainted here at the convention. We were at a a social last night for Love Worth Finding Ministry. Mrs. Joyce Rogers, the wife of the late Dr. Adrian Rogers, was there. And she introduced Marley. And I was really excited, Marley, that you were here and to see you. And I wanted to get an update on a ministry that Uh is so part of every fiber in your body. That's true. That's true. It's my pleasure to see you again, Byron, and see what life has done for us in the 16 years. Yeah, it's my joy to be here and to be a witness of what God is doing to his daughters, to his beloved daughters around the world. Take us back, because it was about that period of time, like the mid-1990s, when God started birthing this vision and ministry in your mm-hmm. heart for Project Hannah. But, you know, really, I was thinking about it this morning. It goes even further back. Mm-hmm. You grew up in Brazil. Yes. Your parents were missionaries with the Salvation Army. Exactly. And worked with some people who mm-hmm. had no hope. Yes. And needed a yes. way out, needed redemption through Christ. That's true. I was... Uh, born and raised to a very godly family. Uh, my parents, Brazil, I am Brazilian. They raised 64, 65 boys, all orphans. I am the only girl in a family of three boys, my natural brothers. So when I was growing up, actually, I had 68 brothers. <laughs> and because being the only girl in the family... Uh, and being raised in that orphanage, that was a dangerous place for a little girl to be. My parents were very, very poor missionary. You can imagine. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, they, they didn't have much. So my mom prayed that God would give her a place safe for her little daughter. And there was an Episcopalian girls-only school, a boarding school. And a woman heard about my stories and my mom's stories. This is God. This is God's hand working. And this woman that we don't know till today her name, she paid 
from my education that elite school where all the daughters of the wealthy people, the politicians, the big, big farmers, it, it was in the South Brazil, were huge farmers. So I was raised in that environment with all those women. So I remember nights away crying my eyes out in my pillow because I didn't have a mom, I didn't have a dad to be with me. So the brokenness came, you know, very early in my life. I never rebelled. I never, I think my, my parents did the best they could with what they had. So the first images I have in my mind from my mother, for example, she would go in the streets and pick up the orphans, pick up the prostitutes and bring them into our homes. So any the Salvation Army, you know how how full gospel they are in the sense that the whole gospel to the whole person. So I grew up having my heart broken for a broken world. I think that's where God started preparing me for when I was 52 years old to birth this ministry for broken women. I think that's a good point you make there. So many of us get into a routine of our life, even in our Christian faith. Exactly. And we don't see outside the box. Mm -mm. And sometimes that's really where God wants to begin a work in us. That's what he did with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember um, we started our missionary career very, very early. I offered my life to God forever when I was 15. And when I was 15, I said... Everything I am, everything I know, everything you want from me, here it is. But only 32 years down the road, you know, uh, being a missionary, being an established missionary, then after going to Bible school and all of that, marrying my wonderful, wonderful husband that has this passion, this fire in his bones just like me. Only so many years, three decades later, I think I found what God really was preparing me all my life. And the thing is, you have to answer the call in the season in which he calls you. Whatever it is, if you were like me, 15 years old then, I answer then. And he used me in different ways. I did children's program for many, many, 14 years. And then it was a period in my life when I was raising my kids. My husband was the big missionary traveling all over that time the calling was you stay and you fulfill your responsibility with your children not my ministry they were not my ministry they were my responsibility so for 14 years if you think ministry wise i was on the shelf and it was a time where god worked in my life in ways that sometimes i miss those times and then fast forward and when you think now it's time now it's time to slow down whoa (laughs) (laughs) well what were those resurrected feelings or that burden the seed of that burden that god had planted in your life what was it that started coming out or started helping you to say you know there needs to be something done for women around the world yes i remember i was in singapore in a shopping mall this is before cell phones I was speaking with my husband in a phone booth and it was next to the major entrance of the mall. 
and this automatic door opens and this mass of hot air comes in and I looked there was a couple the woman was dressed in black from the top of her head to her toes just a little net over her eyes and her husband next to her had a very comfortable t-shirt Singapore sits on top of the equator is very very hot and when I saw that woman totally covered my heart just went out for her and you know we women we love this kind of stuff we love jewelry we love to look pretty and I thought there's someone just like me but she's totally covered I was so taken by that I had seen pictures I had seen on TV but never a, a, a real person I was so taken by that that I said to my husband you know I'll call you later ended the conversation, sat in the first place I could in that mall, and I said, God, how can a human being do this to another human being? And that was a conversation I had. I never heard thunder or anything, but God said to me, do you see that black veil is not just over her head, it's over her mind and heart and family? And right there, Byron, I said to God, whatever you want me to do to take women out of darkness, I'll do it. That's what I said when I was 15. And then the next question that I felt in my spirit was, I just said, just tell me how. I am a simple mother and grandmother, from a young grandmother from Brazil. I don't have much to offer. I'm lost here in Asia. You know, my husband is the big missionary. How? And that voice, that still voice said, what do you have in your hands? Well, I have a microphone. I am a radio person. This one thing I know to do well is radio. So I knew Transworld Radio was going to be my first strategy. I remember that I had created a program in Brazil for five years. I did children's program for 14, but the last five years, I had a program dealing with women's issues, life issues to spiritual issues. Doing that program was my second strategy. Then I remember asking God, why, Lord, women suffer so much? I started studying, and I saw that from the Greeks to the Jews to the Middle Ages to all through history, women suffer. And I wanted to know, why is that? And then God took me to Genesis 3.15, where after the fall, he comes and he says to the serpent, I will set enmity between you and the woman. And God showed me how influential women are, that God has given authority to men, but he has given this incredible, incredible power to women, which is influence. Every human being passes through our hands and our bodies in the first five most formative years. You know, every man and woman, they have a woman that influenced them. So much so that after the fall, you know, she ate the fruit and she just gave it to him. And the whole participation is, and he ate. That's it. <laughs> so thinking about this, I said, God, if you said that you would set enmity between woman and the enemy, this is not a gender issue. This is not a cultural issue. This is not a religious issue. There is so much cultural harmful practices in Africa, in Asia, in South America done to women that we thought, well, this is cultural. This is religious oppression. 
I figure out this is a deeply rooted spiritual problem. Men are not the enemy at all. There is a greater enemy that is using them. So, Byron, that's when I realized that a half an hour program was the word of God will never come back void. But this issue is so big, we need more. And that's when we started a prayer movement that is today in 124 countries. We are praying for women every day, less than a minute a day, in 124 countries. Men, women, young people are praying through this calendar that you put together. I have a lady in Kerry that does research every day to see God's finger answering our prayers out there in the world. We have laws being changed. We have laws being put in, in action. Like in my country, in Brazil, there were no laws to protect women from domestic violence. Now they have a ministry for women. And this has happened the last years. So you see in many other, other, other things how God is answering our prayers. And we write this prayer calendar with awareness page to educate all of us so we can pray intelligently. I have a grandson, cute little boy. And when I travel, I, I do bring little things for my kids uh, and my grandkids. Even though the parents say, Mom, please don't do this anymore. But I do. But I am very practical. So I bring things that he can wear or that he can use. One day, Logan came to me and he said, Nanny, I love you. I love that you always think of me when you travel. And you always buy me things. But you know what? What I really like are toys. He never again got a practical thing. He gets toys. We pray intelligently because we ask specific things for God to give us. And he is doing incredible things. We are moving God's arm towards the women, the suffering women in China, in Africa, in Asia, everywhere. And now here in this country. What's been the single most thing that has amazed you as you go back 16, 17 years at the birth of Project Hannah and seeing where you are today, what God is doing and has done. Byron, this has gone so great. I didn't have one penny to invest in this ministry. I didn't have it. I'm a missionary. My mission told me we have no budget for this, but if God wants you to do this, you come back and you tell us what he's doing. And what amazes me is to see that when God gives you a call, He will make sure, He will provide for you to fulfill His calling. His will is going to be fulfilled with you or without you. And for me, to see that we are in 124 countries, I have no idea how we get there. There was not a strategy in place for this that we are in 65 languages plus 13 that are being where we give the program, but in handheld devices, MP3s, CDs, cassettes, whatever is available. In Vietnam, for example, most of our ministry is done by CDs because the radio waves, I don't know, the sunspot cycle is not favorable for six months of the year. 
and God is helping us to go into prisons and have prayer groups in prisons, listeners groups in Thailand. We are now in 45 prisons. I wrote a book with the story of this one man, one convict that heard Women of Hope program came to Jesus and he is now the chaplain of this governmental work of Bible studies in a Buddhist country. Bible studies in prisons. He built a Christian, he got permission and funds to build a Christian church inside that prison. This is a Buddhist country. So you ask me, what is the main thing? It's called faithfulness. Faithfulness of God. God is so faithful. He's so faithful to himself. And he will use us if we are faithful. Part of the seed that was planted has its roots in Memphis, Tennessee. That's because true. you were invited to come to Memphis. There was a conference that was taking place, a women's conference, where Mrs. Joyce Rogers, the wife of the late Dr. Adrian Rogers, that time was pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church. She was acquainted with Transworld Radio because of my relationship yes. with the Rogers yes. family. And so it's really neat to see how God used your heart being expressed mm -hmm. in the Transworld Radio magazine that Mrs. Rogers saw, which prompted her to invite you to come to this ladies' conference. Exactly. And it was 7,000 women gathered there. I was scared to death to speak to them. It was an early Saturday morning. I never will forget yes. that. Yes. <laughs> it was amazing. And Kay Arthur was the main speaker. And when, when Joyce invited me, I said, Joyce, you don't know me. We have never talked before. I said, you know, I cannot even speak your language right. I am no match for Kay Arthur. <laughs> Um, but they gave me half an hour, and I spoke for 20 minutes, just put out my heart. I was just coming back from Thailand, and I had seen, you know, 100,000 prostitutes. It's a horrible situation in that part of Asia. So I told them how God called me and my determination to follow His calling, to fulfill His calling at my age. That was the first time I said life starts at 52. <laughs> and from that, actually, when the meeting ended, I was mobbed. I was mobbed by those women, mostly young women, coming to me and saying, you know, whatever you are talking about, besides the fact that we have social security, we have education, we have food in our tables, we have beautiful homes, but the mental, the psychological and the spiritual issues that you rose here, you talked about here, it's us. We face this here. So from that day, we got 2,000 intercessors and many of them are still today. Maybe they are listening to this broadcast because they are still praying with us. And I'll never forget that a free will offering was raised in there. And it was the largest ever, never again happened that, but it was a huge, huge thousands of dollars was raised in that 20 minutes there because those women in Memphis, they responded to God's calling to stand in the gap, you know, to pray and to act and to support such a ministry. It was like 
God's ray of sunshine was just upon that meeting because you said thousands, 52,000 plus. $52,000. I've never seen something like that. Joyce had never seen something like that. You know, it was an unbelievable thing. And that was the place where Project Yana really got established, even in my mission. Our leadership saw, oh, God really is doing something here with this little woman, you know, this grandma. It's nothing about me, Byron. Nothing. Uh, None of these things that... It was not because I spoke there for 20 minutes. It was the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit. This is a big God thing. It is a big God thing. And foundationally, Marley, all you have ever asked women to do is to pray. pray. Less than a minute a day. In that prayer calendar that has one specific prayer for each day, if you pray that prayer every day, sincerely, you know, when you go to bed here in Memphis, your sisters in China are waking up, and they are picking up that same prayer request. It's a choir of prayers in all in 124 countries in 79 languages the prayer calendar is translated and it's many many more languages that are not translated all these people praying the same prayer request can you think of how beautiful that must be in the ears of our holy god oh my lord yeah in all the different languages <laughs> oh. connecting all of these people oh. groups together yes and hearing the cry of his children it is like a wave of prayer around the globe you know and i know i know that god is listening and his heart is touched because his heart is broken with the things that is are happening here little girls being systematically aborted in china since 1979 with the policy of one child per couple little girls being being systematically aborted in china because of the dowry system, the poverty is so great. The fathers, the family cannot pay the dowry, even though the dowry is against the law. When you see that the majority of the literate people in the world are women, just because they are women, they are not sent to school. Women are the least fed, the least educated, the least valued, and certainly the least touched by the gospel. John Fain, the missiologist, said that women are the largest unreached people in the world. I could go on and on and on and on. To, and, and it just, in our days, is everywhere. You know, you talk about trafficking. We are starting a ministry in Europe uh, where we are producing redemptive stories of women that have been rescued from the sex industry and from trafficking. Literally, what we call in, in Europe the white slaves coming from Eastern Europe. You know, the Ukrainians and the Romanians and the, the Bulgarians. And we are producing those stories in drama form with... Words of encouragement, words of showing a way out, putting those in little MP3s, hot pink with sparkles that looks like a cigarette lighter or a, a lipstick case, putting the message there, the, the voice of hope, music, 350 promises from God's word that are topical 
about the things that they face, fear, mistrust, all of that, and getting this in the hands of these people that work with them on the streets and giving them so they can at night, away from the pimps, away from the clients, put that under their pillow and hear Jesus speaking to them. We are going where they are. For many years, radio say, come and listen to us. We are going where they are. So I, I believe that God will continue to rescue women using now with the technology, cutting-edge technology that is all... It's so much easier today to preach the gospel, to take the gospel out. So I'm so... Ooh, I'm so excited to see what God has in store for us. It's just fantastic. Okay, you mentioned about your book. Is that book available for listeners? Yes, it is. If you go to projecthanna.org, www.projecthanna.org, you can order the book. Okay. It's not, it's not in, in, in bookstores. But, the the um, title of the book? When Hope Wins. When and it Hope is my story, which I didn't want to have my story there, but everybody asked me to write my story. And then the story of 12 other women that have been rescued and blessed by this ministry. And the last chapter is a story when I became a recipient of Project Hannah's Prayer Movement, when I almost lost my grandchildren. And through prayer, God miraculously saved this little boy that had a, a brain hemorrhage that could not be operated on. And after the prayer, the boy left the hospital in Pennsylvania jumping. He was not supposed to speak or to walk or anything. Now, is this the grandson that wants toys? Yes, same. that's the same grandson that wants toys. He is a character. And he saw angels in the room. This little boy saw angels in the room. So the story is fascinating. It's, my, it's the last chapter in the book. So again, you can go to projecthanna.org and Hannah spelled H-A-N-N-A-H.org to find out more information, not only about this book that Marley has written, about other details, how you can get a prayer calendar. Yes, please, if you can, you know, join us getting that prayer calendar. I have my prayer calendar next to my microwave because I, I drink tea all day long. When your water is getting ready there for one minute, I take that and I pray. And God is really, really answering. So anyone, you can touch the world from your living room. You don't need to go and I go and eat the things I eat or smell the things that I smell. <laughs> so anyone can be part of this big ministry. Marley Speaker, my dear sister, I thank you for the time. And having this reunion here is so yes. special. God bless thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for what you're allowing Christ mm -hmm. to do through you for his kingdom and being on Mid-South Viewpoint today here on Bot Radio Network. Yes. Thank you so much. But my joy seeing you too. 